0: Dear listeners, welcome to Faces of Digital Health, a podcast about digital health and how healthcare systems adopt technologies. I'm your host, Tasha Zaitz. After a special series about digital health in Asia and Africa covered last year, the upcoming four episodes will present speakers from South America. A shout out goes to Unity Stokes and Jennifer Hankin from Startup Health who connected me to the speakers in the upcoming episodes. All the companies are startup health transformers. We are going to start with Argentina. I spoke with Adrián Turiansky, chief science officer at Bijenia, an Argentinian startup bringing genomics closer to society. In the upcoming episodes, you will hear from Luis Santiago, CEO of the Venezuelan healthcare IT company, Pegasi.
1: Like a lot of people that say, like, we want to expand Latin America. It's usually thought about, like, a single region, but each Latin America country is completely different. And then you have to know your lay of the land
2: in order to grow in the market and in a more effective manner.
0: I also spoke with... Javier Cardona, the CEO of the Colombian telemedicine company undoc 3
1: in, in, Indeed, we have a great system. It's pretty well designed. It is very strong in terms of um, insurance. Everyone in Colombia has insurance by the government, by their employer, or by a private insurance. 99% of the people in Colombia have some sort of insurance. The problem, and it is the weakness, is when accessing the systems. When actually, when you need some service from a provider, that's not a good balance between between insurance and providers.
0: And Paulo Fernando Barque de Guzamo, CEO of Brazilian company Ottawa Health.
2: Brazil is the only nation with more than 100 million people with a public health system, an universal health system. And f- from the creation of this system in 88 uh, we have some very good numbers to, 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 to talk about. For instance life, life expectancy jumped 10 years since the public system was implemented child mortality decreased from more than 50 per 100,000 um, people to about 10 uh, we have the biggest vaccination program in the world we have more than 300 million doses per year to, to deal with more than 19 diseases. And this is all for free. We have the biggest organ transplant program in the world. More than 8,000 8, surgeries are done every year for free. And, but at the same time, well, so Brazil is famous uh, uh, all over the world about the, the AIDS Uh, program that implemented right from the beginning so this public health system in Brazil is is, it has a, a very good things to be said about but at the same time it is struggling with lack of investments but first Argentina
0: in this discussion, you will hear Adrian Triansky explain the current state of genomics research in South America. He talked about the difference between the whole genome and exome sequencing and the use of AI in genetic sequencing. Enjoy the show and do subscribe to the podcast to be notified about other episodes in the series automatically. Find out more shows on our website www.facesofdigitalhealth.com. I also added the links to the series about Africa and Asia in the show notes. Now to Adrian. Adrian, the um, listeners of the show and the speakers are usually and most often from US and Europe. So let's start with the description of Argentina. How do you see it? How would you describe it in contrast to US or Europe?
1: Argentina is in developing country. So usually a, it's a, it's a very big and developed, uh, sorry, a developing country. Our economy. It's a, it's a small in comparison to many of the countries in Europe and the U.S. Argentina is very well known for agriculture products and everything related to farm. It's one of the largest countries in the world. So Argentina is very, very large and uh, it has all the climates. And in terms of uh, the population, most of the Argentinian population comes from Europe. So we are usually like 40% Italian. 30% spanish and then from many different countries so uh, in terms of uh, comparison also to to our local neighbors uh, we don't have most people original people from from south america so we we don't have many people that are from indians or people from the previous civilizations so that makes a difference in argentina then argentina is a is a centralized country most of the things happen in Buenos Aires, that is a shook city with around 3 million people, but the surroundings go up to 18 million people. And the whole population of Argentina is 40 million people.
0: And you have a lot of uh, scientists, right? Yeah, so
1: Argentina started with their national council that is very similar to Consiglio Nacional de la Recherca in Italia or the CNRS in France, that uh, we have a central National Science Council, and we have more than 20,000 scientists right now. And uh, Argentina is very well known for scientists because we have two Nobel Prizes, which is a lot regarding our culture. And uh, again, it's uh, very well established because we have uh, different institutions and very big universities. So the governments now rely a lot on local science. So Argentinians are also very well known for their developed in technology. So it's not a very big industrial country. So it doesn't have very big industries. But in in terms of IT and science is very good. And is I think is one of the leaders in the whole region. The biggest companies in IT in South America are from Argentina.
0: And um, in terms of healthcare, you have, the health system is decentralized. So public health is administered at municipal levels. You already mentioned that it's the country is very centralized around the capital. But in terms of the design, does the fact that primary care is often independently managed by each city. Does that impact the quality of care available depending on where you live?
1: So in Argentina, we have two kinds of health like the private one and the public one the private one is, is all around the country so uh, and it's people who usually pays but everybody gets the public health for free so it doesn't matter if it's if it's in a province in the north or in the south what it will cover it will be written in a what we have is general it's called Pmo that is the public medical plan. And whatever is covered in there, it has to be accepted in the whole country. So, for example, there is a nice thing that is that a girl who who has one of these rare diseases, one of the well-known ones, she was claiming that she needs the medication. Mm -hmm. And the president was saying, I'm sure she needs this medication, so this reach our parliament. So... In the Senate, they have to, to vote for this. And the president called and say, I will really appreciate that he, that you include this in the public plan because we should cover these people. They cannot afford it. And mm-hmm. everybody vote uh, for that because it was not included previously. So that means that in the whole country, then these people will go and they have to get the medication. And also we have uh, like Medicare. No, we have a plan for people who are retired, and that's, again, even though this plan will discuss with each province, for example, in which hospital do I go if I am retired, and if I am retired, I get the the plan from the government if I don't pay a private one, no? Mm -hmm. And if I get this one from the government, I will be directed to different hospitals because the government makes an agreement with different hospitals in different locations, but I will be covered by the, by the same plan independently where I live. It's a mixture, you understand, no? The, 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 mm-hmm. the hospital will be in a province, it will be paid by the government of that mm-hmm. province, but my, my plan will be paid by the federal government.
0: Okay, so let's talk about the um, development of healthcare and specifically uh, s- interesting solutions such as uh, genomics and Biogenia, which you are the chief science officer um, for. So Virginia aims at bringing genomics closer to society. So I wonder what is the current state of genomic companies in South America? How developed is the market?
1: The market here, as I was saying, depends on the two private and public section. So as I was saying, some of the diagnoses are covered in the national plan and some are not. So that's also contributes to to the development of the genomics uh, environment. But instead of uh, talking about companies there is no much competition locally so we we are the biggest local company in the region but we have competition from startups and companies coming from abroad mm-hmm. in particularly most of the companies that are coming here are from Europe so genomics we have divided into clinical genomics and Direct-to-customer genomics, and both involve health. In the direct-to-customer genomics, we have no competition. We only have some competition from some U.S. companies that are sometimes sending their direct-to-customer solution. For example, 23andMe is not in the region. Uh, Ancestry is not in the region, but uh, there are some, some of them that are coming with some representation to the region. But then there is no local solution for that, only the ones that we offer, Virginia. But in terms of genomics, there are no companies coming from the U.S., so big companies coming from the U.S. are are not here. Uh, We have all the services, analysis services. Most companies are coming, like Sofia Genetics or Centoxin are the companies that are coming, and they are from Europe. And then we have some companies coming from Spain, like Diagnosticos Genomicos, because they have this uh, Spain has a, a connection with Latin America, not only because of language, because of uh, culture, and also because they they have a lot of companies here, so they usually expand their business to to Latin America. So that is the uh, the competition that we have in the local environment. But as I was saying, uh, in the whole world, we estimate that around three percent of the population has been sequenced or has been Uh, has undergone a genomic test. And in Latin America, our calculation made that only 0.1% of the population. So there is a shook market
0: in that sense. So you're only uh, on the beginning of the development region-wise?
1: Yeah, you can see if you look at the different countries, that depends also how the community accepts, so the medical community. And as I was saying, the public and private insurance accept to pay for genomic tests. In terms of direct-to-customer, we are completely in, in our infancy because it's just starting. And in terms of the diagnosis part, we are moving uh, like five to ten years behind. So it's uh, it's mm-hmm. still not here. So you, if you analyze the, the whole situation, like Brazil, Colombia, and Mexico are more advanced. than Argentina, Chile, Peru, Ecuador are are coming next, so we, there's still a lot of uh, ground to grow.
0: So why did this delay happen? Why are you so behind? Is it culturally related? Are people Skeptical or worried about privacy? Usually we
1: we go behind, no? That's usually what happens in, with technology and many things. But in terms, for example, of smartphones, we are not that behind. But in terms of genomics, uh, yeah, it's a term of culture. Because the thing is to really, uh, this started like people sending the samples abroad and being analyzed abroad. That was started at the beginning. So, And that it was mainly Europe and the US. For example, uh, many people were sending to the Baylor College or Mayo Clinic or to Barcelona, Center for Genomics. So special centers that people know and the doctors were sending the samples there. It was really very expensive. So very few people are able to pay. So I think that the main barrier was that the... Physicians don't, didn't know how to to work with that information. So if you talk, for example, sequencing is based on Illumina, mostly because it's now the number one company. Mm-hmm. And you look at the, how many sequences they, they have installed in, in laboratories or public hospitals, it were really very few. So it was taking a long time because the government didn't, make an investment. So it was just based on the private sector and the private sector takes longer time. That's why we are behind because neither the physicians know and the sequences were not there. Now the sequences are arriving. There are many centers that have the, the sequences there. And as we are here and Sophia Genetic is coming, other companies are coming, people are now learning how genomics, for example, is we, we just during the pandemic, we offer courses in the, for the whole Latin America. And each time we offer a webinar to just explain how genomics work. you have 100 people or 150. Mm-hmm. And they are all physicians coming from different countries in Latin America that they didn't know about this and they want to learn. And in that sense, in terms of, kind of knowledge about genomics analysis, Argentina is the leader in genomics analysis. If we take out Brazil, no, because it was not even developing in Colombia, Chile, Peru, Ecuador. In Central America, it's much worse. In Panama, Costa Rica. So that's why, because I, I was also director of the Latin American Center for Genomics. And each time we were teaching, I was talking with the people who, who were in charge of introducing genomics in their country. So it will take probably now because of covid another two to three years to reach the level that Europe has and the US has.
0: Since you mentioned the issue of development and awareness about uh, the usability of genomics and genomic sequencing, what does this mean for pharmacogenomics, which is something that you're also offering, so deciding how the drug is going to be prescribed based on the genetic profile?
1: Yeah, so that we are already working with several labs. So most of the drugs are being also developed by big pharma companies. So we, we don't have local companies developing drugs in Latin America. So we are now being hired, for example, by AstraZeneca or by Novartis and now they are starting telling all the physicians that they need to sequence and they need to sequence to really do do prescription and that there are drugs so at the beginning most of the pharma companies like roche also were paying so they were paying they were saying the physician i will pay for the analysis and in Mm -hmm. the last two years they, they are just saying we don't want to pay anymore it's like the health insurance has to cover all this. And that's where okay. we are right now. We are working with big pharma to do the analysis and show the health insurance companies in Latin America that they have to cover this, then uh, to do the diagnosis and also to give the right medication. Mean color is more accepted.
0: Just before we continue with what the Virginia is doing and how are you successful with uh, going to other markets in South America as well, let's explain some basics. Uh, So, what's the difference between the full exome testing or the whole genome sequencing? I think this is going to be useful just for a basic understanding of the future discussion.
1: When you sequence the whole genome, you get usually the 3 billion letters of the genome, and you read all of them with the same quality. When you do some sequencing, you only read the part that is the sheens, that that belongs to the sheens, and you have different cover quality in different regions. So obviously the difference is, is in the term of amount of analysis that you have to do. If you compare two genomes, usually you have between two to five million variants. And if you compare two exomes, you have around 30,000 to 50,000 variants. What do you use if depending on if you are going to, what you are going to analyze. Now the standard for rare disease is to, that is the most demanding challenge in genomics, it would be to do an exome. But in some cases to do a genome will help Because some mutations will happen in regulatory sections of the genome.
0: So the whole genome is offered to whom? When do you do the whole genome?
1: So we offer the the whole genome to, so we we have it uh, as an offer. It will, they have to pay a little more for that, obviously. And we offer usually for rare diseases or when people wants to do uh, a whole analysis because we can do what is used to be copying copy number so We can do everything with the genome. So we offer to them. So some physicians will, or some laboratories will say, okay, to solve this case, I will do the genome. But if you are going to analyze, I don't know, for cystic fibrosis, uh, you already really know what you are looking at. And you know that you have 90% chance of finding something in the gene, you go for the exome.
0: And to which extent does... The usefulness of testing depend on the already existing data about the local population. If we mentioned before that only 0.1% of the population has been sequenced uh, in South America, that means that the available data to do research and figure out which parts of findings are useful is much smaller than uh, in the rest of the world.
1: Once you already know the biology of the disease, that you don't care because you, you just want to find the mutation, and we are usually that's easy. You now, if, if you want to find a rare disease, Uh, you don't need to know the whole background. But once you want to analyze genetic risk, to know the background is very, very important. So we have now more than 5,000 analyses already done in the region. And we have also ancestry analyses of some populations. So what we usually do is to analyze what is is called the genomics deriva. The variants where the the study was done, for example, if a diabetes study was done in in a European population, we will look at that one because we have a high population. High population comes from Europe. So we will use those analyses. We will compare and we will look if we really have the same kind of uh, distribution. Obviously, it's not the best. The best is to really have the whole population analyzed. But that's what we are doing right now. And one of the reasons that we think that uh, Virginia is very important uh, is because we want to analyze this population that will also help to analyze other populations. Because uh, if you really want to know how changes in the genome are doing changes in disease, you need to know the, the genomics of the whole world. So it's a pity that... Latin American data is not there in, in the genomic databases.
0: One of your goals is to sequence one million people in South America in the next five years. So what are the biggest problems or barriers to success in this regard?
1: We, we have, I would say, three different barriers. One barrier is, as I was saying at the beginning, that is growing each year, so so is the, the barrier is lowering, that is that the government's, and the health insurance company cover the genomic test. So this is uh, moving very it's moving very fast. If you move in different countries, you can see how once the government accepts to pay something, it grows exponentially. So that's one issue. The other issue is that we need to really advertise and sell in each Latin American country our direct to customer solution. So that's why we. We expect to do this in terms of we receive the investment to do it. And uh, we, we set up that number because we are seeing how it grew in other countries, in other developed countries, when the genomics started to be accepted. And that's the numbers that we see. Uh, it doesn't matter if it's exactly one million. No, it's, it's a goal to show that if we receive the, the investment to really advertise uh, everywhere, we will be able to do that because some countries are running ahead and some countries are coming behind. But it's a small portion of the whole population. We have 600 million people in the whole region. So we don't think that uh, it's very difficult to reach that. But we have to, not only to accompany what's going on with the public health insurance and private health insurance, but also to advertise and to show that genomics is, has to be recognized. So nowadays, most of the physicians and people have seen something about genomics. They have been to a congress and they know that now it's the state of the art. Or they uh, people have seen something that happened with twenty three andMe or some other companies, and they don't know that they have a solution to do this in Latin America. Mm-hmm. So. Each time we enter a small region, we start receiving people who really want to sequence their DNA. So that's why we believe it's it's something really feasible.
0: What was the project or projects that you found most exciting up until now with Virginia? One of the things that you were involved with was the 100 exomes project, which, if I'm not mistaken, was aimed at solving rare diseases and just how they're diagnosed, helping with that. So
1: that was our first challenge a few years ago, to show everybody in, in Latin America that, and especially in Argentina, that exome sequencing is the key to, to diagnose many of the rare disease disorders. So 3.2 million people in Argentina has a rare disease and 80% of those diseases are of genetic origin. So we did that. After doing that, then we were able to sequence more than, uh, right now is around 3,500. So we have 3,500 exome sequence of rare disease. So this really showed the people that we, that we were able to do it. Now I would think that uh, the most exciting thing I expect is that we start sequencing with our DTC product, a huge amount of people, and that we are able to do research with that. So what we expect is to be able to manage the Latin American population. Just we we started with this just a few months ago, and we already are correcting many of the outcomes that we gave to people based on the local population. So I expect that we will be able to do, really to have very good data, And that we will be able to show the world that uh, how analyzing the local population can impact many of the outcomes that people are doing in Europe or the US. That's our expectation, and that's what I think will be fascinating in the next years.
0: I imagine that uh, that project brought you quite a lot of attention, you know, to spread the word about the company. The
1: goal is that to reach. The moment in in the years to come that uh, everybody will see that sequence their DNA, then they can share with the physicians and they can use our platform. If they go to the hospital, they see our platform, or if they sequence their DNA for a diet or for activity, for everything that involves genomics, they can also use our platform. So, if, if we are able to do that, it will be fascinating then to start doing correlations. And show people many of their results. And show, look, this is what happens in Latin America, and we we are now starting so something very easy to do right now, and is uh, something that I just uh, to show you is an idea. But in Latin America, in the south, from Paraguay, Brazil, Argentina, we drink mate. Mate mm-hmm. is uh, after no. If you have uh, you have chocolate, you have tea, you have coffee. And you have mate. Those are the beverages usually most uh, extended. And many people now in England are drinking mate or in Barcelona because Messi is there or because Argentinian football players are there. And the Pope is drinking mate because he's Argentinian. So what we did is to, in collaboration with the university, we sequenced the mate genome and we analyzed the metabolites. And now we are trying to show the local community not only how your genetics change when you drink coffee and how you metabolize caffeine we have caffeine in mate but we have other uh, kinds of metabolites that are very important like chlorogenic acid for example that is uh, very good for alzheimer and many different diseases and we will try to show how the that beverage will impact their body that everybody is talking but they don't know about their genetics and how they react to the matter, for example. So that's something to really talk to our local community. You now to show them mm. why why genomics is is different here, not only because you have a different background, but also because your habits are different.
0: Sounds like something that could attract a lot of media attention.
1: Yeah, so here we we always attract media t- uh, attention. I have been interviewed but by newspapers, the most famous newspapers in Argentina. I have been interviewed here. I have been interviewed by radios each month. I have a new radio that do the interviews, magazines, because people really see this as something really new, amazing, and they, they didn't know that a local company could really develop this. And... Uh, and the, the last thing to, to tell you about that is that now we are including, uh, because as we want to, to be local, we are including ancestry results. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, my 23 and me, and I only finding Russian relatives who live in the US because I came from mm-hmm. Russia. So I came from Russia. But now I found, by doing my own test, uh, I found a cousin here. So we believe okay. that we'll also people will start doing this because if they do the things abroad, they compare to populations abroad and they need to compare with local populations. But that will depend if we are able to grow as we
0: expect. One issue that, is, that can happen in genetic testing are incidental findings. Do you have any guidelines uh, on the company level in regards to what to do about those? So if you're looking for something by sequencing the genome and you might find something else so that a person has another disease or a predisposition for another disease. So to which extent do you already before the research ask participants what do they really want to know? So when we work
1: with physicians or laboratories, we give the physician the option and they, they will ask the patient. So they will ask the patient what we think is that uh, we have the the option for them to ask or not to ask. So we offer them that they have to ask the patient, but the patient can say, yes, if I want, if you find something and we clearly specific then which are the incidental findings we are going to analyze. We are not going to analyse all the initial findings, the ones that are suggested by the American College of uh, Medical Genetics, and they know that if they want, they can get that information. Based when we give a, a test directly to the public, we already tell them that there are something that they will get directly and they have to consent for that. And if they want to, to find some outcomes that we tell them that we are going to analyze, but they will have to double sign. So they have to be sure that they want to, to see, for example, for women, if they, they will get, for example, you are red hair. So we analyze mm-hmm. if you have genetic of rare, of red hair or not. That information we, you have to sign only once and you will know that if you have the genetic of red hair or not. Mm-hmm. but if uh, you want to know if you have a breast cancer uh, genetics for example mutation in BRCA1 or 2 then we let you know that that information is in there if you want to see it you have to accept it when you do the genetic test for people we are all the time doing new analysis and we are sending this to people so when these these findings could have an impact on people's health. People can decide not to see them.
0: As a scientist working in the genetic space, what are your expectations of the CRISPR technology? So
1: in the CRISPR technology, we have some some also local companies developing CRISPR solutions. One is now developing a test for COVID using CRISPR, but uh, CRISPR is very, very important once you identify a genetic disease. Mm-hmm. So we, we expect to be working. We already are having discussions with these companies that we could do both things. So they, they could offer their solution, but uh, working, we could also diagnose first, then give them the information and then they can work and see how that may have an impact. Nowadays, CRISPR is It's only accepted for very limited cases, but first you have to do the genomics. So that's how we can partner with them, because we can do the diagnosis and then they can work with CRISPR. But it will go hands to hands in the future once CRISPR is accepted.
0: Given that you are working with analyzing um, large amounts of data, how does uh, using artificial intelligence look like with you? So... How are you following uh, that development and what seems more promising for your specific case? So we
1: are using uh, artificial uh, intelligence at different levels. Now we are also having a partnership with a European company uh, that focuses only on artificial intelligence. And the two parts that we use now artificial intelligence is first to classify the variant when you analyze if it's pathogenic or not or what is the outcome in the gene. We use artificial intelligence, but also we are now developing a tool that goes from the clinical history to the gene. Because in many cases, the it just receives some uh, annotation that comes from the physician. So we have an artificial intelligence tool that based on the phenotype, it will go directly and highlight specific genes. And then you go at the variants and it allows you to do faster diagnosis or to identify new, new genes associated with the disease. So that's where we, we think that in the short term are going to be the biggest uh, outcomes. In the long term, I believe that it's going to be the analysis between the genetic variants that we already will have in our database with all the other uh, information. That we will ask. And we are we already asking the people like if they smoke or not? If they what are their habits? So that's where the that's the second wave that we hope it will come once we have the issue amount of genomics data.
0: By the way, how is the whole situation with COVID influencing you as a company? Because you have to work remotely because of the costs and the funding. Are you is your development hindered or are you getting more interest from investors?
1: We are getting more interest from investors because we are already a company that do the tests at home. The people can ask and uh, directly for the tubes. It can be saliva or it can be blood, it can be paper. So it's fairly easy for us to continue working. The investor has seen this and now they'll say, Well, I, we have to, to move from traditional uh, conditions, people going to hospitals. So we have to think in a way that people are not going to go to the places to get their analysis. They will try to stay more time at home. Obviously at the beginning with the quarantine, everything stopped. But now we are getting more and more cases than before because now everybody wants to, to use this kind of uh, situation. And our platform is remote analysis is, is web-based, so everybody can use it everywhere. That's what allow us also to offer our services in the whole region.
0: So, just one last question: What are the most exciting things that you have on your roadmap, according to you know your opinion?
1: The most exciting thing would be to, as I was saying before, to grow in the region and to really grow exponentially. So, to be able to deliver the tests and analysis everywhere in the region. I think that will be really exciting because we will see data coming and once the data arrives, then we already have the people to do the analysis and to do great new research and to really help our community because I I found really exciting that locally people used to send things and only rich people were able to send their results to clinics in the US or Europe and now they realize they can do these tests locally and they can really analyze and get outcomes and, they, and that this can change their local habits and what they do and people really trying to help them. I think they, it's exciting for us because we, we see a change in our, in our communities. Right? People are really grateful that we are doing this.
0: You've been listening to Faces of Digital Health. If you enjoyed the show, do leave a rating or a review wherever you get your podcast. Every opinion counts. Thank you.